it's always a pleasure to be able to actually do this and it's always an honour and um, every time I get asked to do a talk at Hope or anywhere really um, in a church I ask God quite a simple question really I just ask him what it is that you want to talk to us about um, and as is often the case when I speak to the Almighty um, he responds to a question with a question so uh, asking he then said ah well what do you want to talk about today sir and you know in comes a flurry of different ideas um, and concepts you know anybody who knows me knows that I've always got like a, a pet philosophical or theological topic that I'm kind of mulling over in my brain at that particular time so they all come rushing in so I took a little moment took a deep breath I was like okay cool this is stuff that I'm thinking about and it's all good but what is it that I want to talk about um what do I want what do I hope for from a Sunday morning um from service from this this strange weird thing I'm speaking to a uh, camera at the moment and pre-recording it a few a good uh, week and a half before it's actually released I know shock horror what no these things aren't live no I'm afraid not um what do I want what do I dream of man when when I actually talk a moment to ask that question as what my re what my heart really longs for it's poured out of me and I have to confess it made me very heart sore um, you know because I want what I'm sure pretty much most people who are watching this watch want and I want it. You know, I want the great moment where it happens. I want this, you know, you can call it breakthrough, you can call it a reformation, you can call it demonstration of power, peace in our time, uh, God's glorified revival, an outpouring, whatever it is you want to call it. The thing, that, the, the big kahuna bugger, you know, the, the thing. I want to see it. If I got exactly what I wanted out of this, that's what it would look like. And if it meant a question of shutting this off and watching something else, then that'd be fine by me. Or not watching anything and just having me stop talking. Man, guys, imagine it. What does it look like for you? Maybe there's like loads of religious and spiritual baggage attached to like, you know, the, the, those words, revival, reformation, breakthrough. But if we can put that aside for a minute and you were given what it, if you were given the thing, utopia, the world as it should be, everything made right, all things redeemed, what does that look like? To you. To me, it looks like art. Art unlike anything we've ever seen. Something that captures 
and crystallizes the essence of love and goodness into its purest form and contorts our souls into complete adoration and affection towards God and towards one another. It looks like children's an orphan being taken home and finding a home and finding a family. It means years of war and genocide and devastation in whole countries just stopping and being replaced with a real meaningful peace. Once and for all, it looks like drug addicts, the homeless, the hurting, the lonely, finally being reconciled with their own worth and their own value. To see a face that has forgotten how to smile because of years of pain and suffering and loneliness and dirt and begging, finally just stupidly grinning because of the light burden and the easy yoke that they finally carry. All their cares washed away. It looks like families separated through years of bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred and resentment being reconciled and loving one another around a shared table of food. It looks like marriage is not being the butt of a joke between friends, but like it being experienced as and known as the sacrament of divine union with humanity. It looks like COVID-19 being obliterated from the face of the earth through miraculous union of all prayers of the desperate and the believing being answered with medical and scientific breakthroughs. It looks like the worship of Jesus, not feeling awkward or strange or out of place with normal life, but that normal life itself is in fact nothing but the declaration of the praises of the lion and the lamb. It looks like justice, the complete eradication of systemic injustices handed over by the powerful of this world, not because they are forced to, but because they are compelled to do so. It looks like the end of racism, it looks like the marginalised being disenfranchised, being given a voice and power to act on the incredible contributions God has called them to bring to this earth. It looks like businesses taking care of their people. That there isn't in fact a conflict between profit and compassion, but that one leads to the other. It looks like innovation that is both beautiful and useful beyond our wildest dreams. It looks like children being born with chronic illnesses, being healed and running with their friends and laughing in the fields. It looks like feeling and seeing and tasting and deeply knowing the presence of God from whom all our souls come from, to whom our souls yearn to go to and finding in that place an everlasting home in this life and the next. Is it stupid and outrageous to expect all of that from a Sunday morning? From a life? You know, this lockdown has for many of us sharpened what we are about because we don't have the routines and 
the, the regular life to try and navigate around. You know, that's what I want. That's what I dream of. That's what I want to spend my time doing. That this, this somehow would be a cacophony of glory. You know, and I, I can't do that. I can just simply speak to a camera and say a few nice words and say them in earnestness and just simply hope and believe and pray. But God can do that. And so in our conversation, when all of a sudden this stuff comes pouring out of me and I'm just like, whew, okay, I'm, 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 I'm feeling this. When, when that happened, I asked God, what is it we need? What is it, what is the revelation that we need to get a hold of and understand? Is it, what is it we, we need for it to happen? You know, two weeks ago we celebrated Pentecost. Um, the day that we Christians believe is the red letter day of fulfillment. When God and humanity merged. And humanity was made into the temple of God. It had been promised and foretold by the law and the prophets of ancient Israel. And a fisherman, Peter, who experienced this torrential fusion of God and humanity in a small upper room, outlined it, laying it before 3,000 people, over 3,000 people. The sequence of prophecies spoken about that led to that particular point. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your holy one see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in 
the old presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. You know, many believed and many did not. Because there was a choice to make. Despite the fact that the promises were being fulfilled before their very eyes, those promises didn't look the way they expected to do, so they had to choose to believe because those promises looked drunk. God poured out his spirit himself. God poured out his blood. God poured out his life, and God rose again from the dead. What do we need? I asked God in our conversation, what is it we need for it to happen? And God's reply was, well, you have it all already. You have my blood that broke the chasm between me and you, between all goodness and you. You have the death in which all have died. And you have the resurrection through which death has lost its sting. And you have the baptism, the drowning in and within and through the Holy Spirit. Me, God, inside of you, filling every single part of you. There is nothing now that can separate us. You have everything. And yet, thick is the cloud that shrouds our sight. So thick it convinces us that the powers and the principalities that are, in that are mentioned in Ephesians 6 could separate us so completely from the dreams that are born out of our connection of, with God. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I have seen some exciting things, and I know many of you have seen exciting things, some that go so very close to some of the things that I described before. And when I hear the stories of how people get close to seeing God revealed in their life, or see more than I've ever seen, or I even myself get close to seeing it myself, they spur on my dreams. 
But for a long time, I didn't realize that the dreams that we bear and carry as we fight against the powers of this present darkness can start to hurt. And I didn't realize that the pain of hopes unfulfilled is very real. For example, I tried to do my bit to help the homeless, to do, you know, stop for the one, as Heidi Baker says, and I uh, befriended, meaningfully, a homeless person. I didn't want to just walk past them and give them money and then that was it. I was like, let's build an actual relationship here. But this person was a hurting man and didn't know how to be a friend. And so it was an awfully manipulative relationship and I didn't have the tools or the devices to deal with it and so I cut him off. But I did not realize that at the time by cutting him off what I also chose to do was because it was such a hurtful experience I also chose to cut off the dream to actually change the plight of homeless people. I prayed for many people to be healed and you know I've seen God do incredible things, things that really should only have been doable through a long prolonged process through doctors and professionals but I've also seen friends die. I've seen the communities get so close to reveling both in God and one another and their own diversity, um, igniting the profound and various gifts inside of each person and it felt so wholesome but that's those same communities I've seen then succumb to relational difficulties which bore distance and in a few cases apathy, including my own. And I didn't realize until long after that, alongside with those disappointments, what I had done is I'd abdicated my dreams. Because I had a choice. I, had to, I could choose to be heart sore between the gap between my dreams and the expectations and hopes and the reality. Or not to be heart sore and to shut it down. And so, as in Proverbs, my heart grew sick because I deferred my hope. I abdicated my hope to another day and dug them away until circumstances would be more preferable and I could pull them out again. And you know, one problem with a heart that doesn't necessarily mean that life goes to pot. It doesn't mean you can't achieve great things and see and enjoy great things because uh, over this time where my heart was so, had been switched off to the dreams, I still, you know, had an amazing time. This life, you know, by God's grace, it surpasses all things. Life is still great, but it can mean that when you have a simple question like, what do you want from this church? from this service, you all of a sudden find when you are honest about it that, oh, um, that, that's a more sensitive question than I thought it would be. In preparing for this talk for some of these things I mentioned earlier, I have not dared to, let, to dream them in the way that they could hurt me or affect me emotionally in a very long time. Not in the way where I would give those dreams permission to hurt. But the beauty of it is that the pain, suffering and death is not the end. 
Jesus shows that in the end, all ends well. That the final word in all matters of the world and in all creation is a word of love and life. A life we have because we have everything and we have been given it all. So I'm challenged. I'm not talking to you as someone who's figured all of this out, um, but as someone who's been yanked by God into a, a place by one simple question. What do I want to talk about? I think God wants to heal us all. I think he wants to wake up the dreams that we have allowed to lie dormant. Because dreams is the language God speaks to rouse the human heart into action. If we're not acting on our dreams, then how much are we allowing those dreams to move us? James, the book of James says that faith without deeds is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's not a statement we need to see as a damning in indictment of our inaction, but rather as a helpful indicator that something is very amiss with our hearts. If we can understand our faith and our dreams independent from the way we live our lives. And yes, those dreams will hurt at times. But my goodness, imagine if they come true. Imagine if we take God by his word. If we walk with God who has given us everything to see his dreams within us come to reality. Imagine what our world would look like. I processed this talk with a few friends before I started recording this and one of them in particular, Mark, said this incredible sentence, dreams need allies. <laughs> I don't know if you nicked it from somebody else, but it's a good, it's a good statement. Our dreams are not our own. Um, they are God's. And so why would we think our dreams could thrive if we harbour them to ourselves? Articulating makes them more real than thinking them. So they have a, a higher chance to hurt us. But the powers that would seek to hurt us in the end are the defeated side. And some of your dreams aren't for you. They are for your children or friends or others to fulfill rather than yourself. And most, if not all, will only happen in the community that God has placed you in. Dreams become decrepit if we try and understand them through the lens of individualism. But they become the mechanism of deeper connection and love if rightly placed back into the hands of God through opening them up with others. We have it all to see our dreams come through, through the work of the cross, the resurrection, and the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. So how do we see it happen? The answer to that is multifaceted. It really depends on what your part is to play to see it happen. Revival, reformation, the movement. But for all of us, the secret of seeing it happen depends on how we engage with the vulnerable reality of our dreams, aspirations and hopes. And remember, we begin this journey not with hopelessness, but from a place of abundant hope. When I'm in the right frame of mind and I take stock of the faithfulness of God, it becomes quickly apparent that something incredible is afoot. That the God who began his story of his world hovering over the empty waters, then sang all things into being and breathed humanity into shape out of the mud, and then set aflame that same humanity on the day of Pentecost, is burning new life into all the world. Hunger doesn't need to come at the expense of thankfulness. But to imagine beyond our wildest dreams and to hope that our faith is placed in the foundation that there is always more to be seen, burns into us a holy dissatisfaction with anything else but truth, justice, love, righteousness and peace across the whole world. In every human heart, through every enterprise we decide to take part in. That's, uh, that's what I want to talk about. Holy Spirit, would you, would you help us? Would you heal us? Would you help us to go beyond the heart sore, the disappointment, the pain, and help us remember who we really are? Help us remember who we really are and what we really are about. Help us to return back to our first love. Bless us. Bless us with your incredible presence. Everybody watching this, feel you tangibly right now. May we know you and be known. Help us to be your friends. We are forever yours. We adore you. We worship you. And we cry out for more. For more of you more justice, for more peace, for more righteousness, for more love, for more joy. <laughs> for you are the way and the truth, and yours is the kingdom and the glory forever.
Amen.